Hi there, and welcome to Talking To With These Girls Mean Business. Today we have the wonderful Tim Reed, who is the marketing guru, and he has a fabulous podcast. Thanks for joining us, Tim. Where can people find... Yes. (laughs) Well, we know you're a marketing guru because you've got the number one marketing podcast in Australia, haven't you? Yeah, I've been doing the Small Business Big Marketing Show for six years now, and it seems to have... um touch the nerve amongst small business owners which was always my intention excellent well it's always good when we get what we uh, intend to do in the first place i thought today we might have a bit of a chat about the lack of people getting things done when it comes to marketing because marketing has changed a, a fair bit in the last sort of 15 years or so it used to be that you could just have an advert and go out and get people how do you find when you're working particularly with small businesses how do you go about encouraging them to actually go and get stuff done? There's three limiting beliefs that hold back everyone listening to this show and every small business owner out there who's finding marketing a bit of a dark art. And it's generally they think uh, it's going to take a whole lot of time, it's going to cost a whole lot of money, and it's going to be complicated. And they are limiting beliefs, Mel. They um, can be easily busted. The new world of marketing, you know, you mentioned changes in the last 15 years. I don't yep. the last 15 days, you know, like <laughs> we're just constantly seeing the marketing landscape change, which is great for a small business owner because all these opportunities that are coming our way, whether it be, you know, Twitter's new Periscope app through to the fact that we've got an amazing video camera on our smartphone through just to the internet alone, you know, it just bringing all these changes and possibilities to the small business owner who can now punch way above our marketing weight if only we can break through these very um, shallow limiting beliefs. They're just a veneer. And it is really all about that fear factor, isn't it? If you can conquer the fear of um, getting things done, then you can actually just get stuck into it and really enjoy it and enjoy the challenge of it all. Yeah, often behind fear. When you, when you do break through something, a blockage or a fear or a limiting belief, you look back and it wasn't as scary as you actually thought, you know, and that go that applies to marketing, to business, to life. Sometimes, you know, I've never parachuted, but I reckon I'd look, I'd look back and go, you know what? I don't know what I was shitting myself about. It was actually, it wasn't <laughs> as scary as I thought. Well, I have Mate. parachuted and that's exactly what you think afterwards. <laughs> exactly. no, nothing more, nothing less, you know. It's just like, so I, we've got to break through the limiting beliefs because, now, there's that wonderful quote which goes, um, if you think what you've always thought, you'll do what you've always done. And if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. And um, we're, a whole lot of us are just doing what we've always done and wondering why we're not making progress. And again, too, it's kind of about breaking that cycle of constantly just doing the same thing because it's what we've always done, isn't it? Yeah, 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 totally. It's like a circuit breaker. You know, when you, when you implement a circuit breaker, you, things change. And you've got, to, you've got to do that. You've got to kind of, sometimes you've just got to go, you know what, I am not going to do that anymore. I, a marketing kind of analogy would be, I am going to stop running ads in the local paper. I have done I know I've done it for so long. I know it's all I know, but I'm just going to stop. I am going to then divert that money into something new. And I'm going to see what it feels like, see what outcomes it gives me, and you know what? If it doesn't work, and it probably will work, uh, I'll go back to my ad in the local paper. But you've got to yep. keep moving forward. And that's the thing. If you don't try something, you you don't know whether it's going to work. Correct. 
Now tell me, there's a lot of people out there too that sometimes go, oh, I think I'll try this marketing. I don't think it's going to work, but I'm going to give it a go anyway. That's probably not a good attitude to have, is it? No, make marketing a hobby. That's where we want to get to. We want to get to the point where if you can actually start to market your business in a way that you love, you can't wait to do it each week and you should schedule, you know, it's something you should schedule each week. Uh, All of a sudden, uh, it does become a hobby. And when something's a hobby, time disappears. You're happy to throw a few dollars at it because you enjoy it and you are willing to embark on a bit of a learning curve. And yeah, there is a learning curve for sure. If you're embarking on video or podcasting or self-publishing or blogging or social media, there's a learning curve nowhere near as steep or as long as you think it is. Uh, And just, you know, get on with it and enjoy the ride, you know, because when we enjoy stuff, uh, it shows. I spoke to a lady this morning who just, and I speak to a lot of successful small business owners, Mel, and each of them uh, make marketing a hobby, you know, and they don't use those words. That's kind of my wacky terminology. But the way they talk about it, they do make it a hobby. The lady I spoke to this morning was a lawyer and she has literally embarked on a really solid marketing strategy and she just loves it. She can't wait to get out of court and schedule time to do her next video, to write her next blog post. That's fantastic. And photographers are actually in a really lucky position in the fact, first of all, they're creative, but they've also got fantastic shareable marketing material that they're creating all the time, don't they? You know, uh, photographers have got, it's a two-edged sword. Photographers, you, you lot are a creative bunch. And that is an absolute running start into some great emotional marketing, right? Yep. Uh, you have you have the ability to take beautiful images. Um, you like beautiful copy. You like to present things beautifully, and you have the ability to do that. The other edge of that sword is it stops you because perfection gets in the way. So all photographers that I know are perfectionists, and they wouldn't let anything out the door unless the you know the the right filters that have been applied to the image, the right kerning had been applied to the typeface. And I know I'm being harsh, but I, I, you tell me whether I'm, I'm being too Oh, no, but... you are spot on, completely spot yeah. on. <laughs> There's a lot so, of photographers so like, out there that struggle with it. photographers listening is, is, is get over it, like move on from perfection. Get into production and not perfection because perfection um, right now is stopping you from from creating great marketing, from turning your marketing into a hobby. Absolutely. And sometimes the um, daggiest-looking marketing that you put on um, Facebook and things like that can actually bring you the biggest rewards as well. So having this whole perfectionist thing sometimes gets a bit boring and people sort of just overlook it. But if you have something that's a bit funny or a bit quirky or not 100% perfect, sometimes that can actually work in your favour. And, and you know what they're saying? And everyone listening, the majority of those listening are then going, Yes, but doesn't that reflect poorly on my brand if I send something out my door, a Facebook update or a a video that I produce and put on my website that I've only produced on my iPhone? Doesn't that water down the quality of my brand? And I would say, no, it doesn't. Uh, For the the flagship stuff that you really want to present yourself beautifully, like your portfolio, you're still going to present that beautifully. Your introductory video where you share who you are and why you do what you do, you'll present that beautifully. But... Don't apply that same perfectionist level of output to every single marketing output because it will do your head in. Absolutely. And would video still be one of the biggest watched things within the marketing area at the moment? 
I, I wouldn't say I, it's it's big. Video's big. YouTube's the second biggest search engine in the world. It's owned by Google. Google rank video very well. Um, but I don't want to say you know you should all be doing video. I should I would say choose a medium that best suits who you are. If you're a wonderful writer, blog. If you love a chat um, but don't like looking down the barrel of a camera, get a podcast. If you like looking down the barrel of a camera, get a video. If you like video but don't like looking down the barrel of a camera, use a product like ScreenFlow or Camtasia that allows you to capture what's happening on your screen and what you're saying, and you don't even have to be seen. It just records that. So I just think the best starting point is to choose a medium that you're comfortable with because then that's one blockage out of the way. And sometimes every, you kind of want to do it all. And I suppose that's another a big problem is that people decide they're going to do everything and end up doing nothing because they yeah. really haven't picked a particular spot to put all their information in. Yeah, well, you know, I now have a, a reasonably successful business. It's just me. And I started the Small Business Big Marketing Show six years ago. So, you know, I could have, and I haven't embarked on any other marketing strategy with any great depth. I do a bit of video. I blog every now and then. Uh, but podcasting for me has been the game changer. And I'm comfortable in that it is my primary marketing channel. Now, one of the things that I noticed with your podcast in particular, and I have a little bit of a habit of trying to work out people's ideal clients behind who they're talking to, you actually have an ideal client that you tend to speak to. Does that make it a lot easier when you're doing your marketing to actually be talking to one person? Yeah, yeah it personalizes it. So whether uh, you are podcasting, whether you are speaking in front of an audience, whether you're writing an ad for the local paper, Whatever piece of marketing communications you're creating, have a person in mind, and that person is your ideal client. Uh, for me, it's a real person, uh, and he is. He's a, he's a coaching client of mine, and he, you know, I know how he feels about marketing. I know uh, how he, how much he respects marketing. He challenges marketing. I know his problems, uh, his blockages, his limiting beliefs, and I kind of, in knowing that. It allows me to craft my messages in a way that I know will resonate with a whole lot of people because they all, this fellow's name's Darren. They all feel like Darren, you know, and it makes it very personal. The lawyer I spoke to this morning, she when she started blogging, she said, I took the attitude that I'm just writing a letter to a friend. Perfect. You know? And it just all of a sudden takes it from being this big masterpiece of copy or whatever it is that you've got to create and just personalise it because when you're writing to a friend, all of a sudden you just be yourself. You know, you don't have to yep. put on a facade. And they often say sometimes too, if you try to speak to everybody, you end up speaking to nobody. Yeah, that's right. So your ideal client, um, do you, when you're actually putting things together for stuff, can you physically see him? Like you really embodying everything that you know about him when you're actually writing to him? Mel, I have about 50 photos around my office. I'm, I have them framed. <laughs> I don't at all. No, look, it's been that marketing concept of having your ideal client in mind has been so instilled in me for so long that I no longer um, actively go, right, right, let me just remind myself about Darren. And, yep. and I, don't, I don't need to do that anymore. It's just, and I have such insight because I work with small business owners all the time speaking at conferences and on my podcast and it's just my world. I just kind of have, 
I have that insight into them now. So it comes naturally. But if you're starting out and you like the idea, then go and write down, write a 300 word, so a page that describes your ideal client and not, you know, yeah, gender and demographics and where they live and how much they earn and what they do, but quickly get onto a more emotional, psychographic kind of description, which is, you know, how do they feel about the industry in which you operate them? What frustrates them? What gets them jumping out of bed in the morning? What are they scared of? You know, get to know them at that level. That's excellent advice. Well, thanks, Tim. I think we'll probably leave it there. There's been so much good advice that you've given us this morning, and I really appreciate you joining us. Love it, Mel. Thank you for having me and uh, helping small businesses grow. Not a problem at all. Thanks.